Amen, amen. Uh, we've got a few minutes left together, uh, and we're really just going to kind of cut to the chase. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open it with me uh, to Luke chapter 14. If you do not have a Bible, uh, there should be one around your seat, a black hardback. Uh, if you don't have one at all, make that yours, put your name in it. Uh, but I just want to say, uh, maybe this is your first time to One Church. Uh, we are so glad that you came just to come to worship with us this morning and uh, we just say every week that we are by no means a perfect church, but we have the opportunity uh, every day uh, to worship a perfect God. So we are just thankful uh, that you chose to be with us uh, this morning. Uh, we have been walking through uh, just this understanding of what it looks like to, to be about building God's kingdom. And I know sometimes that's easier said than done, and we have been uh, looking at, asking those questions, why do we do what we do in our lives? Why do we do what we do as a church? And all of these understandings and situations should revolve around about building God's kingdom. And I don't know about you, but I've been incredibly challenged in and through my life as I've been uh, opening up God's Word. And I, and I just want to put a disclaimer here. This morning, man, God is going to do something. I believe it because... Um, this is not an easy teaching passage, and we'll read that in just a moment. And we've entitled this, or I've entitled this, The Cost. Listen to this. The Cost of Being a Disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, I don't know about you, when I grew up, my mom and my dad would always tell me nothing is free in life. Anybody heard that before? You know, like, hey, can I have this? No, son, nothing is free in life. You know, it's like, uh, we got a little thing in the mail the other day, and my kids were so excited. It was a scratch-off thing. You might have got that, okay? And it's, you know, you can win a million. I think it was $10,000 or, or an iPad or something that was worth like $3, and you know how that works, okay? So I literally, my kids were like, man, you can call them, call them. We won, we won. I'm like, I, I called. And believe that I was that dad. I called, and they're like, hey, you know, this is the power company or whatever it was, and they're saying, you know, Hey, yes, yes, you did win. You are a winner, you know. And they're like, hey, but we got to come out to your house and we got to, it was actually, it was a water or something. We got to test your water and we've got all this equipment that'll help you. And, you know, and the, you know, the $3 item that you know you would have won when they get there, you know, when they, when they put it towards the master thing. And I was like, oh, no, thank you. Obviously, I was not the only one. She was like, okay, and she kind of hung up on me type of situation. But here's the thing. We look at those things and we understand that everything costs something. You know, when I think about these kids who made a decision to give their life to Christ, my prayer is that from this day forward, they would start to grow in their walk with Jesus Christ, and they would have an understanding through the Spirit's leading their lives that following Jesus costs us something. And we're going to get in just a moment, and I know you're, that, that question you have, but I thought salvation was a free gift, and praise God it is. But it's just like if I chose to want to go climb Mount Everest. Think about this. I didn't have the finances to do it, but all of a sudden I had one businessman. He, maybe he came to me and he says, you know what, I'm going to pay for your whole expedition. And I said, all right, man, I'll do it. It's, it's a free expedition for me, but I can tell you this. That training that goes into training for something like that, all the equipment, all of these things, and when I go and I put, listen to this, when I put my life on the line, because there are many people who take that expedition in Mount Everest and they don't make it back home. And it's that same understanding, that whole thing would have been free for me. 
I mean, someone freely gave me a brand. I want to pay for the whole entire thing. Just as Jesus says, I want, to, I want to take that burden. I want to take those sins. And I want to carry that for you. And now you are a child of God. But let me tell you something, people. And I hope that we get challenged. This is God's word. My prayer is that he would humble me before you. And this would be nothing of me. But it costs something to follow after Jesus. For some of us, we understand that, and as we had the missionaries who are here this week still, and they shared with us last week, there are so many people around the world that understand that. And for many people around the world, it costs them everything to follow after Jesus. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 14. We've got just a few minutes here together. Um, I really want to kind of set the scene for you here. This was the pinnacle of Jesus' earthly ministry. I mean, he, he was popular. I mean, he was doing, he was feeding the 5,000. He was raising people from the dead. And the people, seriously, they were in awe of Jesus at this time. And the crowds would gather and they would follow after him. And we know of the 12 disciples, those who, and by the way, disciple just means a Christian. It actually talks about that in the book of Acts in Antioch, the first time the disciples are called Christians. So I want you to have that perspective. If you call yourself a Christian, we're going to put ourselves in this story here and see what it looks like, the cost that it takes to follow after Jesus. But in this time, Jesus had just raised someone from the dead. And people were excited. Like, who is this guy? I want to follow him. Think about that. They were following because of the things that Jesus had done. And in between this, Jesus many times spoke in parables. Now, parables is, is, is something that we might say, you know, uh, suppose this took place. Okay? It's not an actual story, but Jesus always, many times, used parables. And I love parables because I relate to them very well. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He was trying to get the attention of the people that related to them in their culture so that he could lead them to the truth of his message. And so that's what's taking place here is he told two parables and now he comes in, it's like he, he drops the truth bomb. In Luke chapter 14, we see here in verse four, uh, 25, we're going to start there. It says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. We know why they were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate the strong word Jesus uses there. Mother, father, wife, children, brothers, and sisters. Yes, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, whosoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Verse 31, or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way away or off and will ask the terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything... You cannot be my disciple. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. Lord, I've got to be honest with you this morning. This is a tough passage. 
But God, I pray, Lord, that through your spirit, Lord, that you will speak to us, that you will challenge us. And maybe, Lord, for the first time, God, we can look into the mirror, God, and we can say, God, I have not yet counted the cost and fully given my life to you. But maybe for some of us, God, we're struggling with what that looks like to count the cost and to, and to hand over all of those things. Because I know in my life, God, I, I struggle with that because I want to be in control. So, God, I pray, Lord, that you will have your way with us this morning. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Wyoming, one of our northern states, most of you already knew that. There's a place called the Teton National Forest. And years ago, they, um, they released some of their cards. You know, sometimes you have little boxes, you know, like info cards. You know, write down some information and drop it in the box. And I just want to share some of those with you. Now, think about this, you know. The, the Grand Teton National Forest, it's a wilderness area. It's mountainous. I mean, it is vast, all right. It's not for city slickers like me. I'm just going to say that, okay? So here's some of the responses from the people who have experienced the Grand Teton National Forest. The trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. All right? Maybe that's me. Too many bugs and leeches and spiders and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to rid the areas of these pests. How about this one? Please pave the trails. Chairlifts need to be in some places so that we can get to the wonderful views without having to hike to them. The coyotes made way too much noise last night and kept me awake. Please eradicate these annoying animals. Small deer came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles. Is there any way I can get a reimbursement? Please call. Escalators would be helpful on steep uphill sections. A McDonald's would be nice at the trailhead. And too many rocks in the mountains. You know, this is that's a funny story. It really is. It actually these are these are real true cards. I don't know if they were being facetious. Probably so. Some of them, okay. Especially the McDonald's there. All right. I would have probably done Taco Bell. You knew that already, though. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. These people found themselves in a situation, and they were not prepared for it. You know, for many of us, you know, who we live in western Oklahoma and we're, we're kind of country and rough and that sort of thing. And, you know, we would call these people, obviously, they, they must be city folk. I mean, obviously, they don't understand what it means to be in the wilderness. And I started thinking about that story. Many times our lives are the same way as Christ followers. You see, because many times we find ourselves in the wilderness We find ourselves in situations in life that we never expected to be in. Some of them good, some of them, let's be honest, some of them bad. And we start having doubts. We start struggling. We start saying, oh God, where are you? If you would just pave this path and just make it straight for me, then I could go and follow after you. But since it's not, like I'm struggling here. I would much rather just sit and do nothing or I would just rather leave. Anybody been there before? This story is taking place here. And again, these disciples, those who have been following after Jesus, I mean, there's a huge crowd. And I think about that, and those of us who, I mean, this is by no means a megachurch, all right? I understand that, all right? But here's the thing. So, so, so a thousand people showed up next Sunday, all right? First of all, they're not fitting, all right? Second of all, I mean, that would be, wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, we would go to great 
great strides to try to keep those people with me. I mean, we'd be, we'd be doing all kinds of stuff. It'd be a celebration. I mean, we'd be going door to door. We'd be doing mail outs, like, please come back. And many times in our lives, even as churches, we will do whatever we can to try to keep people. To the point of even maybe even watering down the message of Jesus. And I say that to say because this morning, this message is it's, it's difficult. It is very difficult. And for those disciples who were following Jesus, it was difficult for them as well. So you're in good company. I am in good company because this is difficult for me as well. Verse 25, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them. He said, remember, the 12 disciples were with him, but he turns to the, to the, to the vast. He turns to those who were following and he knew their hearts. And see, these people... They were on board with Jesus. They were what you would call maybe fans of Jesus. Maybe we might, we might use the word groupies. All right, we use that word in America. They, they were there because there was a celebration going on. Anybody like to party here? Like, I mean, if there's a party, I'm there. Sometimes you find yourself at a neighbor's house and you're like, who in the world? I don't know. I just saw a party and I'm, I'm showing up. Those were those people. But they have yet understood what it means to truly follow after Jesus. And so Jesus, he doesn't just let it ride and just say, hey, you know, keep coming, great. No, at some point in our lives, we have got to make a decision. Is following Jesus worth it? Let me ask you this morning in your own life, is following Jesus worth it? Because I can promise you it will cost you something. You say, how can you say that? Because as I read the New Testament, it always costs something. And we are blessed to live in a free country in America where we don't understand or, or even fathom some type of persecution. I do believe one day it will come to that where we will have to make a decision like, I will follow Jesus no matter the cost. And so Jesus has the large crowd here and he turns to them. And he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple or, or such a person cannot be a Christ follower. Anybody else struggling with this? I mean, is that like, whoa, well, wait a minute, I thought the, I thought the Bible was all about love. I thought, the, I mean, how can you, some of you are like, you know, I'm already there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm already hating on my mom and my dad, all right, and my brothers and my sisters, all right? I don't like anybody. I am just a hater, okay? Some of you are like, I've got that marked off. And maybe that's the life that you're living right now. Everything is just disappointment and everything's a struggle. But Jesus comes and He says, here's what I want you to know, people. Following me is not going to be easy. But it will be the greatest decision. It will be the greatest journey it will be living a life of purpose. Some of you who have been serving Jesus for a long time, you can, you can understand that because you've gone through the trials. You've gone through the difficulties. You've lost loved ones. And you know that, that Jesus is real and you know that He will never leave you because His presence is with you. And even in those moments, there's like that peace, like God's Word says, that peace that surpasses all understanding. You can't even explain it, but you just know it's real. And so Jesus was trying to break through to these people who were there for 
the family fun night as we're going to have this evening. I hope you come. But Jesus was saying, there's going to be times in your life when you encounter relationships, you might even lose relationships because of me. Your mother and father might disown you because of me. And I love this because Jesus warns that he goes, they hated me. <laughs> I don't like when people don't like me. Anybody else? I am a people pleaser. Like, it, it, it bothers me. Like, it, 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 is there something wrong with me? And you're like, yes, there is. And, and I am. But Jesus says here, this is serious. This is, this is, this is your life. Where, this is eternity we're talking about here. And I think maybe the struggles for the American churches is, is we have way too many things that we spread our love for. It's like, you know, if Jesus doesn't answer my prayer here, you know, I, I will try church for this amount of time. If God doesn't answer my prayer, I'm done. By the way, if you were there, I'm so thankful you're here. But I've got to be honest, knowing Jesus is the best thing that you will ever experience, but it's not always going to be easy. Such a person cannot be my disciple. Jesus must be first in our priorities and our loyalty. Let me ask you a question this morning. Is Jesus your priority in your life? Think about that. Is, is he your priority in your life? To be a disciple of Jesus, we must be committed to him. And above everything else. He goes on here in verse 27. He says, yes, even your own life. We must hate our own life. And I started thinking about that. There's a story in John 3. The story of Nicodemus and Jesus. They were having a conversation. And Nicodemus was like, you know, what, is it, what does it look like to have eternal life? And Jesus comes to Nicodemus. And he says, you know what? Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And and it didn't really make sense to Nicodemus, and they have a conversation. He's like, how can, I'm a grown man here. He's like, I'm a grown man. All right, how can I go back into my mother's womb? And Jesus is like, no, you must die to yourself. And he goes on to say, you must pick up your cross daily. What does that look like for those of us who understand this? Salvation is a one-time event that you are saved. God miraculously saves you. But those of us who understand this, Every day is something that we must choose to follow after Jesus. That's what he talks about, picking up our cross. Because during that time, they understood. They actually, you know, they had public hangings. They had, obviously, the crucifixion was a, a rough way for someone to die. But they understood when that person picked up his cross, he was saying goodbye to his life. That's exactly, he was, he, that's what's taking place here. And so these people understood, like, I understand that. I know what it means to pick up my cross and to follow after you. That means I am dying to my old self, my wants. Sometimes my dreams. But Jesus says, you know what, if you, if you pick up your cross and you follow after me, I will do immeasurably more than you can ever ask or imagine in Christ Jesus. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. He says you must consider 
the cost. Scripture goes on in verse 28. It says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. He gives an explanation here. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long ways off and will ask for terms of peace. How many of you in here love the people who commit to something and then bail on you? How many people love those kind of people? Anyway, are you that kind of person? Well, sometimes I am. Sometimes I overcommit. Anybody else? You're like, man, I've got myself like up to here, and I overcommit or whatever it might be, and then I don't come through with it. None of you are that way. I understand. I know that. It's just me. Let's be honest. We don't really like that person too much. We start losing trust in that person pretty quickly. After it happens two or three times, you're not going back to that person to ask him to do something. You're not putting them in charge of anything because you know they're not going to get it done. So Jesus says, just like that, just like a man who, who starts building something, I know some of you guys are like, man, I did that last week on a project. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, and I'm done. But he says, make sure when you start this that you understand what it looks like to follow after me. I want you to, say, I want you to understand up front that there will be difficulties because of Jesus. There will be times at work that people think you're crazy because you love Jesus. Your kids might go to school and they might get laughed at because someone invites someone to church and they think that's great for them, but no. And for some of us, God might call us to a place where, where persecution takes place in, our, in, in the lives of not only our lives, but those around us and that struggle. But I love this because Jesus says, I will be your firm foundation. I will be your rock in the midst of those times. It is so worth it to follow me, but please consider the cost because this is your life we're talking about. Verse 33 goes on. In the same way, those... I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. Counting the cost. There's a story in John chapter 6, a very similar story. Many of you know the story when Jesus had fed the 5,000. He sends his disciples across the lake and Jesus comes and the crowds are there. Again, the crowds are there. Those who are following. I love this in John chapter 6, verse 66. Jesus gives them the truth. He basically says, you know, you must eat my body and drink my blood. And they're like, whoa, 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 uh-uh, no. And you see, these people didn't stick around long enough to understand what Jesus is really talking about. Many times in our lives, we see up front what it means to follow Jesus, and we're like, not, not, that is not what I signed up for. And, and we bail 
But Jesus is trying to get us to a point in our lives where we can hear and we can understand and we want to follow at all costs so that He can pour into us and He can share truth with us. But the people of this time and the same time that we see in Luke 14, the, the crowds bail. Like Jesus would have been, you know, the, the church shrinkage movement. Right? He would have probably failed seminary on church planning. Jesus, you don't, no, 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 no. You've got to soften the load. You've got to gather the people. Wait a minute before you throw the gauntlet on people. You see, here's the thing. Jesus is not about numbers. He is about obedience. So this story goes here, and he asks his disciples in John chapter 6, and they say, this is hard teaching. Who can accept it? Verse 66 says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And then Jesus, I love that he turns to his disciples, those who have been through it, those who knew Jesus, knew that he was the Messiah most of the time. They still struggled. And he says, you do not want to leave too, do you? I love Peter. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? He basically tells Jesus, where are we going to go? What is, what is better than following you? He says, you have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. What about you this morning? Verse 33 of Luke 14 says, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. See, there's going to be times where you don't have to give up everything to follow Jesus. But I've got to be honest, there are going to be times where Jesus might call us to give up everything. Everything. So Jesus said, this is, this is, not, a, this is not really a game here. Because I, I want you to be honest. I want to be honest with you. I want you to count the cost of being my disciple. I'm just going to be up front. It's not easy is what Jesus says. There's going to be times there's a lot of hatred going on because you choose me. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? I'm going to ask Wesley to come back up. You see, the, the benefits of daily surrendering our lives fully to Jesus far outweighs the sacrifice made in following Him. So maybe that maybe you're maybe you're on the cuff a little bit. And maybe this morning you're here and you're just trying to you're just kind of checking this whole Jesus thing out. Or maybe you've been following for a really long time and you were just you were in the wilderness. And you just wish that you had some cards that you could write to God and say, God, if you would just change all of these things, if you could just lighten the load just a little bit. He says, that's exactly what I want to do. 
You nailed it on the head. I want to lighten that load because my word says that I want to carry those burdens. And he says, my load is light. He goes, even in the midst of struggle, even in the midst of of, of persecution, even in the midst of someone struggling with, with maybe a physical element, he goes, I can work through that. I can give you peace and hope and joy in the midst of that difficult situation. And here's the thing. You want to be about building my kingdom? Trust me. And watch how I work in and through your lives. And watch how people all around you see my glory shining in and through you. Because you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. It's amazing that God chooses to use me sometimes. I've got to be honest with you. I'm no different than you. I struggle. I do. And this is hard for me. Because there's times I want to walk away from doing what I do. Sometimes I feel unworthy, which is probably not a bad thing. Kind of keeps me humble a little bit. But there are times when my desires come and say, God, I'd much rather be doing this. I'd much rather be doing that. It's a difficult situation. And Jesus says, just come to me. Come to me all who are weary and laden and I will give you rest. Maybe this morning you need rest. Here's what we're going to do to close the service this morning. I'm going to ask for a time of response. Maybe this morning You could authentically say, you know what, Brandon, I've, I've, I've never considered really what it means to follow Jesus. Like, like I, I believe and I understand, but I have never understood. And I have never completely surrendered my life before. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. Or maybe this morning you just feel like you're in the wilderness. And you feel like God has abandoned you. Keep searching. By faith, may we live our lives, even when we don't hear Him, knowing that He will never leave us nor forsake us. So here's what we're going to do. Go ahead and stand with me, please. I'm going to ask some of our prayer team if they would come front. We're not going to carry this out. But if this morning you feel like God is just tearing your heart apart in your mind this morning, and some, maybe some of you like, I don't even know what's going on. I just know that God is just wrecking my world right now. I want to I ask you boldly. I want you just to come forward. I want you to come forward and I want you to see one of these men and women right here. Or maybe you're going through a difficult situation. You say, Brandon, I need prayer. I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat and come forward. We're going to do that just for a minute here. Who's going to be first?
Father, we, uh, we come before you this morning. And Lord, we love you. God, I want to pray for those in this room, God. Lord, I know there are some here, Father, who don't know you. Lord, I know there are some, Father, who have just started, Lord, the relationship with you, God. And God, there are many here this morning, Father, who have known you for a big portion of their lives. God, I pray, Lord, that this wouldn't just be a message and say, I've heard that before. And just go on like the man who forgets what he looks like in the mirror, God. That, Lord, this, this message would penetrate our heart, Father. Lord, that it might even bug us a little bit, God. To the point of us actually taking action, Lord. And maybe rearranging some things in our lives. Or maybe surrendering some things. Or making some choices to truly change some things in our lives, Father. God, we thank you. That you have the power in the name of Jesus, Father, to work in and through us. You have the power to make us new. You have the power of salvation. You have the power of giving us love and hope, and we can expound that to others because of how you are working in and through our lives, Father. So God, I pray as we we leave here in just a moment and we scatter, Father God, I pray, Lord, that we will go and be the church. Father, we love you and we praise you and all God's people said, Amen.